Well, now we come to the, the chef d'oeuvre of electrician, the title piece, Waiting for the Electrician or Someone Like Him. Let me get into the genesis of that title. That was something that I brought to the Firesign Theater. That was uh, a title that was developed on the rooftop of an apartment in Amsterdam in 1965. I had written a small film script, uh, very, very full of concept and very dull. Shows what happens when you do that about a movie. I was doing movies at the time about a movie that was done entirely in a dark room to the light of matches that were being lit and characters talked and you can only see their faces by match light. Just a terrible, an idea, you know, just a wonderful idea, a terrible movie. And I called it Waiting for the Electrician. The best thing about it was the title. And I was up there getting stoned on the roof of this apartment building and Dickie Pollard, who just was a pull-on, was a friend of mine who said, uh, I said, I've got this thing called Waiting for the Electrician. He turned and said to me, or someone like him. So I brought <coughs> this title, Waiting for the Electrician or Someone Like Him, back to the Firesign Theater. And that's what we decided. We decided to write a piece with that name. Okay? And of course, if you listen to the piece, there's nothing specifically about electricians or waiting or something like them. Again, the Firesign Theater said, that's a great title. That's a great button. We're going to sew this code on it. And it's going to be uh, what I consider to be... the one of the most remarkable breakthroughs in audio theater. Um, David, you're a, you're a, you really are an expert on audio theater. There's only a few of you, and you, I think you would agree that there is nothing be, before 1968 that, that really presages waiting for the electrician or someone like him. There are, there are other audio pieces that have been just as surrealistic, as I, as I mentioned, the Dadas and the Pada Physicians and all of the Surrealists did audio pieces, whether not usually recorded audio pieces, but stage pieces. And whereas they were filled with concept and idea, they weren't dedicated to popular entertainment. They weren't that entertaining. And uh, I remember Grail Marcus's book, uh, Lipstick Traces, talks about that period. And I read all of these things that were going on, and they seem full of content and not very, not very funny. Uh, ironic and savage and, you know, and uh, revolutionary. But watch out when you start thinking about yourself as being a revolutionary instead of being a comedian. We, the Firestein Theater, were dedicated to popular comedy. We all came out of vaudeville one way or the other. And Waiting for the Electrician, as complicated as it is, as surreal as it is, is funny. And I think about what it was like when the audience heard that for the first time. What a... a a nosegay this was for for well-educated people who wanted to laugh because the base of the material that we used was co was you know was was intellectual it was college boy stuff and nobody had put that together and made people laugh in an audio way there had been funny books Kaufman various Skinner various people my own you know influences Ogden Nash and lots of other funny people Mark Twain who used all kinds of stuff but it wasn't audio. And uh, my uh, uncle used to write for the Marx Brothers. And one of the things that people have always said, the, all the Firesign Theater are the modern-day Marx Brothers. Well, I don't think we are. Uh, because uh, the thing that the Firesign Theater did is that it, it really attacked language. And it was much more rigorous than the Marx Brothers. And I'm not putting them down. I love them. Intellectuals love the Marx Brothers. And people talk about how, you know, how, how dear they are to them. But the Firesign Theater changed people's lives. And I know it because too many people have come up to me and told me that you changed my life, you saved my life, so I have to take them at their word. And waiting for the electrician is an odyssey that starts at a border 
as indeed I remember trying to cross the borders when I was a hitchhiker in, in the Near East and in Europe, and that's where the scene is set. And it immediately becomes a trip through a Kafkaesque, uh, very European, it was our most European piece. And uh, both you and I, David, had actually had, we, we were the most drawn to the European authors of the four of us. I remember that 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 this was one of our bailiwicks, and we were both very heavily, we loved Kafka, and we loved the, the Dadas, the pataphysicians, and Jari, and all these people meant a lot to us. Now, this was a very European piece, in the sense that it takes place in this kind of uh, metropolis, this kind of Kafkaesque uh, castle-like, uh, the labyr labyrinthian non-world, and it's full of people, of uh, revolutions, and jails, and taxicabs that don't work, and this whole kind of, it's, it's not really an American piece. And I think it's our only non-American piece. Uh, and again, it is like the very first cut on the album. It is a circular. It's all. It's, it's even. It's a circular piece. It's even more circular. In fact, it starts the whole Firesign Theater's concept of circular pieces because it starts at the border and it ends at the border. If you were to play the thing as a loop, which I've never done, it'd be very interesting to see what it sounds like if you played it and at the end started the beginning right on top of it and see if it actually does. You know, does fold upon itself. I love Electrician. Electrician is wonderful for me to listen to. Uh, it's. Uh, I also want to compliment us and say that to turn out a piece of material like that, here we are in 1967 being given the opportunity to make a record for Columbia Records. You know, oh, what a great opportunity. We never once thought about what would be popular or what the people wanted or what might sell. We sat down and wrote exactly what we wanted to do. And, you know, I think we always have. And the electrician, in that sense, was the most uh, uh, courageous piece of material I think I've ever collaborated in, considering the circumstances. I did exactly what I wanted to do. It's exactly the piece I wanted. I never had to compromise by thinking whether or not people would get it, you know? And that's what I've always loved about the Firesign Theater. The only people I can concerned about whether they get it is the other three guys. If one of them doesn't get it, as we know, it don't go in. Because if one of us doesn't get it, something's wrong. <laughs> But if we get it, then it doesn't matter who else does. Let's give you the news once again for those of you who just tuned in. And I think there's a whole group of compulsive one-minute-laters, you know, the people that their favorite radio show comes on at 9 o'clock, right? And they've never heard the first minute because they compulsively have to wait until one after nine. And then they always go through the big bit about, oh, I missed them from the beginning. Oh, they want to be prepared. They have to look up in their moon sign book whether or not it's a good day for them to listen to the radio. Hey, full moon today. Did you know that? Full moon, full moon in cancer. And that's where my moon is, and that's why all the hugger-mugger that's gone down today doesn't bug me at all. Inclu sure. You no, know, it doesn't matter. I've been so cool and sweet and fine and doped. No, by the moon. I mean, it's just kept me so straight. Uh, one thing that did happen, which was a little bit unfortunate, I think, is that uh, we were going to premiere Waiting for the Electrician or Someone Like Him for You tonight, which is the Firesign Theater's new album. But we can't because their promotion man, Gomer Pyle, was away for the weekend, and we couldn't get in touch with him and couldn't get the okay, but you'll be hearing it on a, on a future Oz show. Beat the Reaper. Ah, Beat the Reaper. People's favorite section by far on. They like it for two reasons. First of all, it is our, our most obvious parody. And there's no doubt about the fact that the Firesign Theater is most popular when it is most popular in its work. Like we did a parody of a game show. Everybody understands parodies of game shows. But it was, 
one of the first great parodies of a game show that, that went way beyond the bounds of... of you know, it was truly surreal. Beat the Reaper, where you're given diseases... I mean, just the title is fabulous, Beat the Reaper. With a clock running, you're given a disease, and if you, don't, if you can figure out from your symptoms what you've got, you get the antidote. If you don't, you're allowed to die. Well, if that isn't uh, a description of what's happening in 1992, I don't know what is. I mean, America has, particularly under Reagan and Bush, although I can't blame them for, the, you know, for, for where we are, They're just the, they were just the... the, the the mastheads on the sinking ship of state. How perfect description of how America has faced its crises, which is America finds itself in a crisis. The SNLs are falling. Well, what do we do? Let's see. Okay, I figure out from the symptoms what's happening. We have a rotten banking system. Now let's try and see. Now that I know what it is, maybe I can take the antidote. Now I'm given the antidote. Uh Uh-oh, I found out I've got another disease, racism. I've got another disease, structural unemployment. I've got another disease, de-education, devolution of the youth, right? And finally, if, if you don't find out soon enough, you die. And that's the way we've been dealing with our society. We have no policy. We have no overseeing policy. And that's what Beat the Reaper was all about. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm all choked up, and I've got buboes, and I've got, oh, I've got dengue fever. Right? Give them the antidote. Just in time. Well, people love that, David. That's the one thing when, when they talk about that album. And I, it always makes me, my teeth grind a little. We say, oh, waiting for the electrician. I love Beat the Reaper. It's like saying to Proust, Oh, memories of, of things past. I love the opening scene when the uh, Petit Madeleines and the, t- the bit of tea reminds him of the past. Oh, that's a fart I like. I, I was easily insulted by the fans' reactions to my work because I see it as totally wonderful. Or, you know, I'm, I see it as a totality. I want people to say, I was totally overwhelmed. I loved every moment of it. But even those people make me nervous, right? <laughs>